Lower down, lower down. Do I need a No, we got the uh, thing image. Yeah, working great. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's great. Looks absolutely beautiful. What is? Lala, you're live on camera, by the way. Yeah. No problem. No problem. Yeah, we're starting Yeah, no problem. Custom, no problem. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it is no problem. All right. Everybody, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim. Barak al-Anbiya Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma sahla illa ma jaltu sahla wa anta tajul al-hazna ida shi'at sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik. Ya Rabbil Ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Danish, the screen is shaking so hard because we have been able to organize this view for you, mashaAllah. That's the reason why it's shaking so hard. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. We are in Al Ard Al Muqaddas Al Mubarak. Not just, uh, you know, actually this entire region of, of Sham. Sham is translated as the Levant, right? Which is uh, like translated as Lebanon. Syria, Jordan, Palestine, occupied territories right now. All of this يعني, is for this is not your first time uh, in logical progression. Um, and just Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, that we've been given another opportunity. And these are all blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I say that for, on behalf, I think, of everyone here. All right. I speak on behalf of myself more so. We still have a few of our team members that are. يعني, in the uh, in the process, shout out going to Widad. Widad will be catching up. Yeah, it's a du'as for Widad, who's uh, inside at the moment, being questioned by the old Bill. And uh, we got um, Joeria as well. Chief just got through. Yeah. Uthman just got through. Um, Sid just got through, and uh, we all got through. And we had a couple of casualties along the way. May Allah subhanahu wa taala accept it from them. Um, Right, apparently it's pausing and things like that, but uh, yeah, it's pausing and out of sync. But you won't, be able to, you won't be able to tell from that. You won't be able to tell from that. Question is, is that, is it using the Wi-Fi? Yeah, it will be, won't it? It will automatically be using the Wi-Fi. Okay, tell me how bad it is, but I don't think that's gonna be any better. What's yours, yours full bars? Scottish contingent I hear. This way, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. What's R stand for? Roaming. Roaming. Yeah. I don't know. Works well, then stutters every couple of minutes, they're saying. I don't know whether to stick to it. Should we try to move on? I don't think we can move on, to be honest. Because I think that, uh, come closer guys, come closer. I don't think that we can, uh, I think once this stream is started, where's Shazad, where are you Shaz? It's the problem. You know Shazad, when he goes on holiday, he goes full on holiday. 
Do you know what I mean? Where are you, Shaz? Make the decision. Am I allowed to, am I, is it possible for me to switch from a Wi-Fi connection to a mobile in the middle of a live stream? Which I don't think is possible. Have to end and start again, yeah? But Shazad's job, that is, that you had just one job, Shazad Salim, just one job, yeah? One holder. She checked the thingy. Shazad Salim is on holiday in, in Mecca right now. Don't think he, don't feel sorry for him. He did number two days ago, yeah? He's not just saying eating. He sent me a picture, sent me a picture of a bake, sent a picture of the frying pan, and you know, he'll bake. You know what I mean? Anyway, so I don't know. Anyway, he's gone. We're just gonna have to stick with it. We'll have to stick with it and just make it the best. Ultimately, um, the thing is, is that online, there's quite a few students online because this is obviously the last lesson of year 10, subhanAllah. 10th year of logical progression. Allahumma barik. Um, Right, so for those folks who this is the first time for, um, this is, this logical progression is like a commentary, um, a commentary to the commentary on that small text. It's a humbly fiqh text, which is covering basic legalities. Um, only from 20, 30 years back. And that's a more modern commentary combining different opinions and not very strictly, very strictly sticking to the humbly school. And myself, I certainly won't sit, stick strictly to the humbly school. We'll discuss it generally. Um, and we've covered so many things, you know, purification, salah. And currently we are now in the congregational prayer. And specifically, we are going to be covering in today's last session, uh, we're going to be covering the issue of um, catching the jama'ah, right? And when can or when should you be or should you not be praying when the additional prayer? A reminder to everybody who is online who's just joining us, we are in Al-Quds. Quds is the official name uh, for Jerusalem. It's called Quds, like, Quds basically translates as the holy, or the holy place. Yeah, the holy place, or the holy thing. Um, and it is, of course, Mubarak. I said before that yani, Sham generally is Mubarak, and then Palestine itself is then special and Mubarak. And then Jerusalem then is even more intense, Quds itself. And Beitul Maqdis is also a, sometimes, depending on context, when you hear the word Beitul Maqdis, it sometimes refers to Jerusalem, but mostly then to Aqsa itself, and then the Aqsa complex. So what you're seeing behind me right here, and it is noisy, we had the, um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring you back to it, Dina. There are many people who have not seen it, um, but you can see this window. Oh no, that's stuck, okay. So this is the, um, the old uh, wall or the holding wall of the old city right and just behind there um once you enter through the various gates and you could either enter by damascus gate which is the the, the popular gate or the hadin gate over there or king herod's gate which is a very popular one as well um you have to walk maybe about five odd minutes or so uh before or no no more than five actually let's say 10, 10 minutes before you get to the boundary of the inner part of the city, which is the entire Aqsa complex, which is known as Masjid al-Aqsa. Um, and some of the holiest places for the Christians are just on the other side of this wall. So actually directly behind me, all right, with a little bit of, with a little bit of variance, directly behind me is the starting point of the Via Dolorosa. Now we're going to do a deep dive. Obviously, the, the, the is not just a Aqsa visit and a tour of Allah. 
Um, I want it to very actively and intentionally be a deep dive into Christian theology and Jewish theology, even for people who've got zero interest in that, because you will find that you will strengthen your own theology therein. To be able to hear what they say and then know what is the truth is very, very important. To be able to, uh, and just moving forward, just for your own personal development, right? Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah. So whoever disbelieves in the kufr and the taghut, to be honest, I also want to do that as well. <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> we can't, we can't yani, miss out on that. And this is our Saturday, so she deserves one back as well. Um, uh, the, the Quranic yani, presentation of shirk and tawheed is that you disbelieve in the kufr and then you establish iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why it's la ilaha illallah, right? So it is important to be aware of your tawheed. It's not just a case of I believe in Allah and I'll just try to ignore the rest and you know, I'll try and get by. Your, your, your iman and your tawheed has to be on good strong boundaries, uh, on, on, on good strong foundations. And you need to know the boundaries of the discussion to know where you belong in that. And it will, as I said, strengthen. Now, it's only when you are particularly weak and the, the people that you're studying this are particularly weak when this becomes uh, the wrong thing to do, to study the other side. But when you're with people who know and understand and been there and done that, then it's a very important opportunity to take. Anyway, in Christian uh, uh, tradition and theology, the Via Della Rosa, which is like the, the walk, I mean, if you're translating it from the original kind of phraseology, it's the walk of pain. It's the 14 stations of Christ. It is the, the supposed narrative. And by the way, there, it's not all fake, meaning that even Muslims, we believe in the roots, we believe in the moments, except that we believe in, uh, number one, fundamentally, it wasn't Isa alayhi salam, but also that some of the locations are not as accurate as they may, have, may claim. But at each point, there was an intervention by a passerby, a Samaritan, a rest stop, an X, Y, and these 14 stops, are then venerated by the Christians and they go through it. And it's known as the Via Dolorosa. We're going to spend some proper time going through it because it's a very interesting thing. That I think will be our own terbiyah and especially to the terbiyah of our children. But you'll see when we go through it what I mean by that. And it's been specially formulated in that sense. And anyway, for those folks who are watching, and even I guess for you guys, that starts right behind this wall. Right behind this wall. You know I mean? uh, huh? I just hit reconnect. I don't know if it's gonna work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, it's, it's reconnected. Yeah. I um, I just hit reconnect. So. Right. Oh, there you are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't worry. By the way, guys, if it pauses, right, I won't say anything. So you don't need to. You, you, I won't continue because these guys here know when it pauses, and then we'll press reconnect and we start again. So don't worry about the comments that you think or the content that you think you've missed. I will pause the content until we reconnect. We are having, in order to get the backdrop, to be honest, we took a hit because we could have done it in the hotel lobby. By the way, just so that you know why we're doing it like we're doing it. So firstly, um, uh, we were planning to do it in a masjid, but we got it completely wrong and upside down. We forgot that between Maghrib and Isha is when we did it last time in the masjid and the time gap is too short for a last lesson. If it was a mid-year lesson, then it'd be okay. But for a last lesson, the gap is too short. It would have been like 35 minutes or something like that. And it's also the time of our dinner as well. So, which is, which is probably, probably the real reason. So we couldn't do it in a masjid, all right? Uh, secondly, um, we could then do it in our hotel, which is the Golden Walls, which is the, it's the best or the most expensive hotel and it has all this kind of stuff. But it 
has limitations. You can't, like, unlike at the Hashmi Hotel, you can't see the, uh, the Golden Dome, which is kind of romantic kind of look, right? Which you can see from Hashmi. But then the connections and all that are not very good. But over here, this is a lot better, right? But then the, uh, the connection up here is very weak. Whereas in the lobby, where it would have just been a, a, a kind of multicolor friendly lobby, it would have just been a bit dead. So that's why we chose up here. So we are going to, we are going to uh, stick with this and just when you see it, reconnect and just sing uh, it. What was that word I get to? Oh, right. And so Umar, he made this statement. He said that, you know, praying is not a problem, which is another interesting point. Are you allowed to pray in a chapel? Are you allowed to pray in church? Uh, they took the signs down. As far as I know, Umar would not have prayed if there was you know, very prominent signs of Christianity, right? Because that's the thing. Um, but he knew that once the Muslims yani, realized, he, because his son, Abdul, yani, his son Abdullah ibn Umar, he was someone who used to, whenever he used to come across a place where the Prophet would pray, had prayed, he would pray there. So his son, he knows his son. Like, that's a thing. That if someone special prays in a place, they're going to pray there. Uh, they not, might not necessarily attach reward to it unless they know there's reward to it. But it'll be like, you know what it is? I don't even need the reward. The fact that he prayed there is good enough for me. I'm just going to pray there. I don't need an extra reward. I'm not here to do bid'ah or create new acts of worship. But he prayed there. And he saw it. He goes, if I pray here, then people are going to pray here. And there's no way that you guys are getting a church out of this. We'll take this over. It will turn into a mosque. And how many times, by the way, have we historically turned these places into mosques or madrasas or whatever. We're going to go to some of the, the birthplace of Sulaiman which they venerated is a school now and another place of so-and-so we turned into a masjid and whatever. That does happen, right? So to protect that, he then prayed outside and that's what they call masjid, the, 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 the masjid of Omar. Now there is some weakness in the chain of these narrations, but you know, anyway. Um, yes, everybody, make sure that you are pressing the live button on the, the video, yeah? Because that still is important. You still have to keep pressing the live button. All right, so that's the backdrop. That's the scene. Let's get into the text. We are at the statement of the author. Who's going to uh, post some uh, text for me, guys? Can someone put the Arabic and uh, the English down for me? Um, I will just read it from here, but if someone can do it. Um, Oh, by the way, the other thing is that to get the view, you have to put up with the traffic because we are literally on the edge of the road. So just put up with that. It's no... Uh, it's no major... You guys can hear though, right? Yeah, okay. I mean, that's, that's probably most... I think they can hear as well, to be honest. Uh, what are we going to do? Ah, okay. So the Arabic of the text, for in kanafi nafilatin atammaha illa an yakhsha fawat al-jama'a fayaqta'uha. And then he says, "Woman kabbara qabla salami, woman kabbara qabla salami imamihi lahiq al jama'a, wa in lahiqahu raqi'an dakhal ma'ahu fi raka'ati wa ajzaathu al tahrima wa la qira'ata ala ma'mum." We're not going to read more than that. Okay, we're not going to do more than that at all. So that translates as um, that translates as in English. If the prayer is established, that means the jama'ah, the fard prayer, there is no other prayer to be offered other than that obligatory prayer. If one is praying a supererogatory prayer, that means a nafal prayer, at that time, he should complete it unless he fears he will miss the congregation, in which case he cuts the prayer. Whoever utters the takbir, 
before the salam of his imam has caught the congregation. If he catches him in the ruku'ah, then he has caught that rak'ah and the opening takbir is sufficient for him. That's the section that we're going to cover today. In summary, what are they saying? They basically, we covered last week that if a person is already praying, okay, and uh, so he starts his uh, sunnah prayer and then the iqama goes, he's already in the nafal prayer and the obligatory prayer started. Now, this is now a contradiction. You have an obligatory prayer going and a nafal that can never stand up. You have to get over to the obligatory prayer. But the ruling has a nuance. The nuance is, is if you've already started, then the tendency is going to be more to allowing you to finish. And if you haven't started, then we're not letting you start. So it's not allowed for you to start. So if you're about to start and the iqama goes, no. Drop that prayer, have to make it up afterwards, have to have some solution. But you can't be starting a sunnah prayer. The worst of this is what you see some people do. The congregational prayer started and they come in and they see the congregational prayer started and they stand to the side and they pray their sunnah. Now, that doesn't happen without, that doesn't happen without reason. By the way, when we're speaking about this issue, even though it applies to all prayers, mostly it applies to Fajr. It's very rare for this to basically be practiced by... Fajr prayer is only two rak'ah and therefore there's a very big likelihood that it would finish before you finish the Nafal prayer. So therefore we have a thing, we have an issue. Second, for example, unlike Maghrib, unlike Isha, Fajr doesn't have any sunnah afterwards and so it's before it and so you should pray it before. But thirdly, which is probably the most compelling, certainly for the Hanafi school, is that the Fajr sunnah prayer is, is difficult to justify after the Fajr Jama'ah because the Prophet ﷺ forbade any prayers to be prayed after the Fajr prayer. It's one of the forbidden times. There are two forbidden times after Fajr time. When you pray your Fajr prayer, whether in congregation or alone, from that moment, whether you prayed an hour before sunrise or whether you prayed five minutes before sunrise, up until sunrise, it's prohibited to pray. But it's a soft prohibition. A soft prohibition meaning it's not the end having any the formula world one when i start doing a lesson yani, all day all day and all night nothing and when i sit down yani drag racing tesla versus yani, yani god knows what and uh, lewis hamilton versus verstappen yani behind me what on god's earth is going on bro anyway um so uh uh i forgot what i was saying huh Ah, see that? This is crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Custom crazy. Should we cut? The th should we close the thing? Should we? I think we'll close it. Guys, should we close it? have to close any other open ones. Will it actually make any difference? It still sounds like we're outside, bro. Hello. Let's see if that makes any difference. I don't think there's any difference. If it makes any difference, right? It just is much better. 
I never said a single word. He goes, that's much better. Cheeky. Right. So that's a soft prohibition. And then the second prohibited time is the actual time of sunrise, right? So as soon as the sun starts to come up for 10, 15 minutes, that's a hardcore prohibited time. So therefore, the Hanafi position is that, well, listen, right? If I don't pray this sunnah prayer, you're not allowing me to pray afterwards, either straight afterwards, or I have to wait like an hour and a half, and then what's going to happen? People are going to forget, people are going to go to work, people are going to go to school. It's just not going to get done. And so that's why the Hanafi school are... It's actually in their madhab that if you are able to get the two raka'ah done before the two fard end, you even start it when the congregation starts. Now, the other three imams and you know absolutely reject it because the hadith is very clear. There is no salah when the maktubah is established. There is just no... But they said, yeah, but that hadith is to be specified by this reality. Anyway, you're not going to get over that. The point is, is that to start is a bad one. But if you're continue, but if you end the prayer, what do you do? Our author uh, said, well, let's find the translation. He said, but if one is praying it at that time, he should complete it unless he fears that he will miss the congregation. So basically he has that right to keep it going and he's keeping an ear on what's going on there and he knows what's going on. That's what the Hanbali author is saying. And obviously by that, the Hanbali author, our, our Hanbali author is also indicating, because we know that's the facts, that the Sunnah of Fajr is a very light prayer. If you recite in it, then it's only قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ and قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ If you don't recite in it, then there's plenty of evidence for that as well. Because the hadith of Aisha is that I heard him say, Alhamdulillah, and I heard him say, Alhamdulillah, I didn't hear the surah, I didn't hear the surah. Right? Meaning that the Fajr Sunnah prayer and we know that that's permissible in all prayer. You don't need to recite the surah in every prayer anyway. But the mentioning of these two raka'ah as not having the sunnah uh, attached with it, sometimes shows how quick it can be. And that can be made even quicker. You just say subhanahu rabbil adim once, for example. Subhanahu rabbil a'ala once, for example. You could knock out two raka'ah sunnah in one and a half minutes. Easy. If you knew that I have to rush. And that's why a lot of them will do it quickly. And I'm not against that as well. And certainly the humbly position is, is basically um, establishing that. Now, Sheikh Uthameen says, we have a question. Um, he, goes, he goes, the question is, what actually leads to losing out on the congregation? What does it mean to catch the congregation? And what does it mean to not catch the congregation? How do you catch and how do you miss the congregation? Sheikh uh, uh, Uthameen, at the top of page 166, he goes, that the Jama'ah is missed Okay, according to the Hanbali Madhab, um, if the Imam says Assalamu Alaikum Rahmatullah once before you say Allahu Akbar to open the prayer. So if he says Assalamu Alaikum Rahmatullah before Allahu Akbar, which happened to two of us, I think, today when Asri stood in the queue, in the line for Asr, I think it was. Yeah, Jodri, I think. And the other two were with us, they, we got in just before and we sat down. Right? And the two on the right, they missed it. So then they prayed separately. They did actually the, the correct thing. So that's the, the you know, classic kind of uh, example. And obviously, you know, here's the thing. There's one thing theoretical and practical is something different. Because you hear that, you read that, and you think to yourself, all right, okay then, I just got to just, you know, catch that. But most people, what they do is they panic. And when they see a person in the last kind of rakah, they say, any second now, any second now, and they just basically 
Allah Akbar where they are, especially in these big masajid, especially in these big kind of showstopper masajid, Aqsa, Haram, Medina, Mecca, yani, they will pray in like random alleyways and random, Allah Akbar, right? Which is not permissible, right? You have to maintain the sufuf, even if it leads to you missing the actual beginning of the prayer. You shouldn't panic. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that when you are late for the prayer, when you are, or when you approach the prayer, then come to it with sakinati wal waqar. Yani with dignity and tranquility. Whatever you make of the prayer, whatever you catch then finish, and whatever you make then yani complete it. Right? Meaning that a person is not meant to panic. And if he, if he misses the prayer, then he prays. That's it. So this rushing thing is not good. Now you've got a, a, an entry point though. You know that one salam is enough. Yeah? One, so as long as I get before I get in before the salam, then I know that I am uh, uh, now I, I, I'm done. Okay, I'm in. Um, so if the imam gives salam before your ihram, jama'ah is gone. And if you make the salam for the ihram, takbiratul ihram, uh, then you have caught the jama'ah. Based upon this, if a person has started in his nafal before the iqama starts, then the iqama starts, he should now hurry up and finish the rest of his prayer very quickly, keeping in mind I have to get to this prayer and done and enter into my fard before the Imam says, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Okay, that's according to um, what our author is uh, saying. And he goes, obviously, this is really something which is only happening in Fajr. It's not going to happen in, in uh, Maghrib, it's not going to happen in Asr, it's not going to happen in the four raka'ah prayers. Very unlikely that this is going to, ever going to be a challenge. Sheikh says, in this issue, He goes, in my opinion, or what we think, Sheikh Uthameen says, is that we want to add some nuance to this. You would only continue in the prayer if you were in the second raka'ah. If you are in the first raka'ah, you should break the prayer. If you are in the first unit of your nafal prayer, so he's going against the classic company position. He goes, if you're in your first unit, you would break the prayer. If you're in the second unit, then finish it off and then join the imam. What's the evidence basis for that? He goes, the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith which is sahih, مَنْ أَدْرَكَ رَكَعَةً مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ فَقَدْ أَدْرَكَ الصَّلَاةِ Listen to this hadith. Whoever catches a raka'ah of the prayer has caught the prayer. Whoever catches a raka'ah, whoever catches a unit of the prayer has caught the prayer. Now, take that statement and apply it to the guy who's done one unit already. That means this person has caught the sunnah nafal prayer. He's proper into the prayer. And therefore, because he's into the prayer, started it properly and got something material behind him, he might as well finish off. As for the guy who's still in his first raka'ah, He's in his first rakah and started the prayer, but he hasn't caught enough of a portion of it to even to be considered that he's caught the prayer. So you know what? If he cuts out right now, no major loss. That's the, uh, the evidence-based uh, uh, the, the, uh, thinking, okay? So he goes that, so therefore, if you are in a second unit, make it light, cut the surah out, reduce the tasbih, in each of the uh, positions and then jump into the thingy as much as quick as possible. And if you are in the first raka'ah, then you should just cut where it is. You should just cut uh, where it is. And Sheikh says, 
This is the opinion which I think combines all of the various evidences for all the different scholars and it brings this whole situation to a close. By the way, question, how do you cut the prayer? What's that mean? How do you cut the prayer? We keep saying cut the prayer, cut the prayer. What does it mean, cut the prayer? So, okay, so we've got um, Salam and Salam. Uncle Yunus said two Salams, one and Salam and two Salams. Anyone else? Break the intention. A statement or just a thought? And what would that thought be? Got to join the prayer, I'm not praying. Okay, anything else? Is there another option? There is, of course. Huh? A physical movement, yeah? I don't think so. Depends, of course, on physical movement. But that would be a problem, right? That would be like you're trying to ruin your prayer as opposed to break your prayer. So I'm not saying ruin your prayer, I'm saying break the prayer. Qamar is saying both salams and intention. By the way, I just want to just let you know of a, of a, of a, of a debate between the scholars. Is giving the salam a, in, a, a intentional, uh, sorry, is giving the salam a salah breaker without intention? So you said two salams. Did you mean with the intention to break it? What do you mean of course? You don't think a person could do that? So let's say he does that, but he had no intention to break the prayer. No, no, I'm asking you, what do you think? Let's say a person says... Uh, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that because to do anything, one has to have an intention. Okay, I, I'll, show you, I'll show you how I do it without intention. I'm praying dhuhr. Okay? Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. Assalamu alaykum. Allahu akbar. I've done that so many times in my life. Thought finished, the prayer finished. I know that something's meant to happen, right? So mentally, I know that I'm coming to the end of what? The second rakah sitting down. I meant to stand up for the third, but my head confused it as the end position and I gave salam with zero intention to break the prayer. I've done it. So have I broken the prayer or do I carry on praying? Well, in, the, in that case, I think we are talking about something else now. In that scenario, the answer to that is that you have made a mistake, so that mistake has to be corrected at the end. Sure. By doing your sujood. Sure. Right. But, so, but, right, so, so, the, so your prayer has not been nullified. No, no, we're not talking about nullification. No, no, no. So, we're so not so talking about nullification. That has to continue. But that particular action of completely stopping your one's nafal salah to join the farad salah, right? That you, have to, you, that you actually have to break your salah. So you're saying... So for that, maybe you should have an intention. Intention, yeah, yeah. All right, good. So, so you're saying what these guys are here saying, which is that um, they're saying two... Qamar said two salams without the, with the intention. And that's what you wanted to say. Two salams with the intention. What's our other scenario? Two salams without an intention. What's our other, other scenario? Just the intention. What's the other scenario? What, which is what people should have said right at the beginning. One salah, one, one salam. Actually, the position of nearly all the imams, nearly all the imams, is that only the first salam is obligatory and only the first salam is what exits the prayer. The second salam is a sunnah. Now, there's discussion over that, but the majority are upon one. So the two one is not required at all, actually. But the real discussion should be about whether one salam is enough by itself. Does it break the prayer? So... There are, there is a, a very strong scholarly position that 
basically says that the salam is such a definitive act that even without intention, it breaks the prayer. And so it's, a, it's a scholarly held position, right? Our position is that no, it has to be with intention. Yani a person needs to basically, you know, do that and intend breaking the prayer. Because the consequences are different. The consequences are different. Anyway, this is a matter of difference. As you all said, just the intention by itself, theoretically, if we're making intention to be a short of the prayer, right? Short means what? Condition. What's another condition of the prayer? Easy, keep it easy. Wudu. What happens if you break wudu in prayer? Salah's gone. Like, just like that. Isn't it? It's gone. Right? So why is it then that... So, so I have a question. If you break your wudu in the prayer, do you give two salams? Why not? Salah's already broken. So, that, so the making, salah would, making salams would be irrelevant. irrelevant. So why is intention not enough then? Intention is irrelevant too because your, your salah has been broken because your wudu has been broken. No, no, I'm saying, sorry, uh, uh, forget wudu now. Oh, so, so we said wudu is a short, a condition of the prayer. What is intention? It's a condition as well. It's a condition as well. So, we've already established that if you leave a condition, the prayer isn't nullified. So, if I leave the intention right there, I'm like this, and I said to myself, I'm not praying anymore. Okay? Is the prayer ended or not? And you see how you pause? A minute ago, everyone is super confident. Super confident, of course it is. Right? What's another condition of the prayer? Covering the aura. Yeah? Imagine. And now you're nanga fully. Yeah? You don't know how it happened, but just say, and you're full nanga. Are you going to give two salams? <laughs> oh, you're going to go like, what the heck? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Right? So you see, when you get physical about it, you guys have got no doubts about it, yeah? But when we start to get kind of, uh, what's the word? Not mental, um, internal about it, thought process about it, people are like kind of, right? But I remind you that the intention is a condition of the prayer. It's min shurut salah. It's just like the others. It's something that has to be there before you start the prayer. And anything which is obligatory before the prayer or before an action of worship is called a condition. Anything which is obligatory in a thing is, is a rukan. It's a pillar of the act of ibadah. When it's before it, it's a condition or precondition, right? So I am absolutely with those people who basically just walk off. If a person walks off in the salah, just, just drops his hands and joins the jama'ah because he says, right, I'm not praying anymore and I'm now into thinking, that's, that's sufficient. Would I hate a person then saying Salaamu Alaikum Rahmatullah? No, I won't because I'm a pack and all the packs do that. Yeah? Now that sounds hypocritical, but I do think that there is something psychological and something more as well that you somehow need to say Assalamu Alaikum Rahmatullah. Have I got any evidence? Not on your Nelly. I've got no evidence for it. And have I ever seen any evidence to convince me that you need to give a salam as well? No, and I don't even believe it, but I'll never do it though. Actually, that's a lie. I do do it sometimes, and then I feel guilty. Then I think, did I really break the prayer? Did I really not break the prayer? There seems to be such a dependence on having to say, Salaamu Alaikum Rahmatullah. And it's absurd, actually, if you think about it. There's no evidence. It's if you say, I'm not praying anymore, that prayer is done. Otherwise, what is the point of the intention? Do you think, uh, just, just a thought, I mean, do you think that the, the reason for doing 
Islam is is less of being respect to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in the sense that you are standing in front of Him uh, with the full intention and uh, would He be considered as rude just to break and walk away? I think, it's a, I think it's a very good explanation. I'm, in my head, I'm trying to think then so, so the salam, what, what happened in the other two scenarios so then. The, so the salam is sort of trying to say, respect also to the, to the angels. Yes, the yes, the yeah. Respect yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like what you're saying, but, but square it now with the others. How, how, or, is it, or is it that those two were so shameful that there's no recovery from there. So giving salam is like a nonsense, maybe? To follow your kind of logic. I mean, to be honest, it makes sense what he says, right? Really? Yeah? It's like no crazy thing happened. And so therefore, it's just, but here it's not obvious and you're doing it like, you know, kind of in your control. And it's kind of, you know, I'm sorry to have to do this kind of thing. Possible. But again, do you see that we're having to depend upon a cultural, emotional kind of thing? From an evidence point of view, it's not there. But I really do feel that it's difficult to not do, to be honest. So I'm cool with a person saying Assalamu Alaikum Rahmatullah, only once of course, yeah? And then um, making the intention to leave the prayer, and that's it. You hear what I'm saying, folks? Yeah? You had a question? I always thought the Salam was a way of ending the prayer, as in completing the prayer rather than just... But why would you end the prayer though? But you haven't ended though. No, that's what I mean. That's why I thought it was only. Oh, that's yeah, it has, it, it, has no, it has no thing. I like this as well, you see. That's also a very good thing. It has no meaning in any other position. It can only be to end the prayer at a natural end point. Yeah. yeah? You definitely can't. If you broke your little things aloud, like, you don't have the ability to perform an act. Yeah. yeah, you're not in any kind of state. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we've got arguments back and forth, and now you understand the difficulty in the issue about why it is. I mean, we should stick to our guns. And like I said, for me, it's valid. Person with just the intention, breaks the prayer, done. But I think if a person says, no, I want to give salam as well, then I'm not going to lie. I think that, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, no matter what, what pack's going to park in exactly. That's how classic Maryam's uh, uh, thing. Is that why we do one salam for janazah because it is sufficient to exit or finish the salah? Uh, no, um, the reason that there's one salam for janazah is because the narration suggests that. But there are some madahib that also do two salams for the janazah as well. They, they keep that consistency with normal prayer. All right, to move on then on page 167, um, Sheikh says, as for the statement, there is no, no salah except al-maktubah, right? This rule that we just said applies whether you are in the masjid or at home. You might say, what do you mean at home? So I used to do this, all right? So for example, so this is interesting. If you're in a masjid, you're going to hear the iqama. You're going to be praying your two rakah, and you're going to hear the iqama, and it's going to buzz you into action. Okay, if you're at home, you're not hearing no iqama, you're not hearing nothing, but you're going to the masjid. We're talking about someone who's going to the masjid, but they're praying their sunnah fajr at home. Now normally, if you're following that's what you should do every morning when you go to Fajr at the Masjid you wake up a little bit earlier you pray your two sunnah at home like the Prophet used to do and you arrive at the Masjid for the time that's the sunnah of the way you're praying Fajr now what might happen is that um, and I, this happened to me you you <laughs> this is like kind of playing a trick right you're at home 
You know that it's going to be difficult to pray Fajr afterwards to wait for another hour and a half. You know that you're late-ish. But if I pray my sunnah here and come to the masjid, it's... it's, it's is I, I got the sunnah done here late to the fard versus arriving at the masjid because that's what would happen and the prayer would have started and I'm going to start the prayer. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think you'd be, men definitely, right? Okay. And women obviously don't go to the masjid, fajr certainly a lot. So, you know, difficult to relate. But basically trying to work the system. Sheikh Uthameen says this applies whether at home or masjid. Now in a Muslim country, that makes sense because you hear the iqamah. But what about yani, in our non-Muslim countries where we are, where we can't hear? Is the fact that we know the exact time that the iqamah occurs, the ruling of the iqamah, you know that this is definitely when the iqamah is going off because you pray there every day. I think you have to go buy a watch and assume the iqamah. And I think therefore that was very interesting. And you should go to the masjid and not delay at home and pray the two rak and so on. However, in the same way, if you're praying and you've already got one rak'ah done, then you would rather finish that one and then rush to the mosque versus cut it and then get to the mosque Wallahu something else interesting this is again not relevant so much in non-muslim countries but in muslim countries very relevant i've experienced this many times actually we experienced it when we were walking for salah did you not see when we went past the first musalla they started praying then you came to the dome of the rock a lot of people don't realize that in the dome of the rock in qubit sakhra there is a jama'ah it's not actually a masjid per se but you know um, because we call the whole complex a Masjid al-Aqsa, then every kind of, any kind of building, they want to try to establish congregations to also politically make it out. This is one of the reasons why we want people to keep coming. Because it's very important to show that there's a, a concern for every part, we have a use for every section, that we need more space. You know, there's, a, there's that kind of social, cultural kind of thing that we've got up front that we've got to show. So they took it a bit further and they actually have a congregational set time in Qubbat al-Sakhra, when actually the masjid of this area is Masjid al-Qibli. And you all saw, we, we go past that, and we can hear Jama'ah, and then we go past. Now, I put to you, that when you're here, and you're praying your Sunnah, and you know the Iqam time of the Qubbat al-Sakhra, do you go by that? Do you act according to that? No, you don't. You know that actually, I'm five minutes early for this, five minutes later is going to be the uh, masjid that I'm praying in, right? Now, that's in this example, in a normal masjid, what would happen? You would find that in a normal masjid, you would see that they would have, in a normal kind of residential Islam Muslim area, you'd be on the street here and you'd have masjid one side, masjid the other side. And you'd hear the iqamah here and the iqamah there, right? And it's equidistant. And the ruling which Sheikh is saying now is that if you know that you're not praying with this imam, but you're praying with a second one, then you, should, you can carry on with the sunnah. It's not about here, you're going to pray in, it's iqamah being established that you cannot yani, mess around with. And then Sheikh carries on, he gives the example of Jum'ah. You know, it's not allowed to speak once the Jum'ah uh, khatib starts speaking. You're not allowed to speak and so on. But also you're not allowed to conduct a sale, buy or sell anything once the adhan has started. Sheikh says that if you are going into, um, if you are going past two masajid giving Jum'ah khutbah, but the one that you want to go to hasn't started the khutbah yet, and the one that you don't want to go to has started the khutbah, are you allowed to speak? Are you allowed to buy and sell? Answer is yes. Because your intention is not for this masjid, but the next one. So this ruling is only applicable to the place that you want to go and pray, not any old place in a general. Uh, okay. Um, and then to get to the next part,
How long has this been going on for? All oh, right, okay, all right, okay. Beside that thing, all right. Um, and so now, if the Imam is caught up to, so I catch the Imam, Raki'an, okay, whilst he's in, in Ruku'ah, in that Raka'ah, it is sufficient for me to basically say Allahu Akbar to have caught that Raka'ah. I've got to join him in that Ruku'ah. This is the famous issue of what happens about the second takbir. This is a famous issue. So we all know that takbir al-ihram to start the prayer is a rukan of prayer, a pillar. It's beyond an obligation. It's a very serious. Uh, 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 it's a Without it, the prayer is not started or established. After that rukan, after and that's the only takbir in the prayer. That's a rukan. Every other takbir is called the takbiratul intiqal, the moving takbirs. Yeah. So the takbir to go to rukuah, the takbir to go to sajda, the takbir to come up from sajda, the takbir to go back to sajda, the takbir to come up from attahiyatulillah when you stand back up in third, fourth. All of these takbirat are obligatory. Obligatory meaning a, a degree down in importance and legal consequence than the rukan value of the first one, which is a rukan. Now, when you join an imam who is in ruku'ah, you have to do the entering of the prayer, Allahu Akbar, and the condition of the takbir al-ihram is what? What's the condition of takbir al-ihram? You have to what? No, no, no. Uh, no the the thana comes afterwards, and and, and that's the action of sunnah anyway. No, I mean for the act of takbir al-ihram to be valid, raising of the hands, no intention is not because intentions for the prayer. So. I mean, you have to have the intention that is, that is to start the prayer, of course. It's the takbir al-ihram. You shouldn't be thinking this is the takbir of going sajda, for example. You're right. So I guess that, that, that's right. Raising the hands, no. Raising the hands is a sunnah, of course. It's not a, a requirement. What's the big requirement? Think. The place. The no, not the place, but kind of. Standing. Not lying. Standing. Okay? Takbir al-ihram is only valid if you are standing. You cannot be sitting and do takbir al-ihram. You cannot be bowing and do takbir al-ihram. Right? And that's why you'll find the mistakes of the people who are either confused about this or don't know about this, is that when they come late to the jama'ah, what do they do? So let's say that the imam is in position and he comes and he goes, Allahu Akbar. You know when he's joining in the ruku'ah of the imam? Right? He just comes straight in, he goes, Allahu Akbar. As opposed to come in, stand in line, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, right? The first is to enter the prayer, so I fulfill the condition by being in, by standing, yeah? And then the second one is the takbir to go to ruku'ah, right? That's the second one. So I have to stand in line, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. So we need two takbirs. But what does our author say? Our author has basically just said that what? What did the author say? It's sufficient to just say takbir al-ihram. 
which basically means that in the Hanbali position and actually the majority of scholars, they consider in this unique scenario that the Takbiratul Ihram is kind of like acting for both. As long as you get it and you don't then make the second one, it's sufficient. Now, what I want to tell you is something. To be accurate, it's not actually accurate. Is it post? Yeah. Um, you know what? To be accurate, it's not actually that it's being sufficient. You know what is really happening? This is the barakah of the jama'ah. Remember when we talk about the congregation, why is it that we pray in congregation? Because the imam, what does what, what he do? Covers all your mistakes. So when you forget something, when you yani, leave out an obligation, if you forgot to say Subhana Rabbil Azim, if you forgot to say Allahu Akbar, if you forgot to say, you know, all these big, big things, the Imam covers your prayer. You don't do sajda sahu. Imagine that you went into uh, sujood and you said Subhana Rabbil Azim. Subhana Rabbil Azim, Subhana Rabbil Azim, as opposed to Subhana Rabbil A'la. Nobody knows except you. When you give salam, do you go into sajda? Because to do such as because you messed up? No, that's the barakah of the Imam, he swallows it. And this takbir to ruku' uh, or takbir of intiqal or moving to ruku' is an obligation. And the obligations are covered. So that's one of the reasons. And then there's some power as well, okay? Anyway, there's absolutely no doubt though, there's absolutely no doubt that what you should do is Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Pause, relax, breathe, and then go into ruku' Not panic. So what, Yani, if he stands up and you miss that, that part? Now, um, I say so what? I say so what? Um, however, um, there is a scholarly opinion that basically says that if you do miss that unit by, because you're so relaxed, then you have actually missed the prayer. You've missed the congregation. So I'm going to come to that, Yani, uh, in a minute. Let me just finish off what he says here now. Um, he goes, the second opinion in this matter. So the Hanbalis, their first opinion is, you only need to make one takbir and that's it. That's enough. The second opinion is that it is obligatory to make that second uh, uh, takbir. Not just a sunnah, not just it's okay. You must do it, okay? But Sheikh says um, that regardless of this, um, anyway, he basically says that that's something which is, you know, that, that, that's a second opinion. Regardless, from our points of view, we should consider it obligatory, but in a jama'ah, if you didn't do it, then you don't need to make sure that it's covered. Okay? By the way, that also indicates, as Sheikh says on, on, in the, on the middle of page 171, this also indicates that you don't need to recite Surah Fatiha. Because you didn't, did you? Right? If you've joined someone in Ruku'ah, you missed out on Surah Fatiha. And to say that you caught the Ruku'ah would basically be saying, in other words, that you do not have to recite Surah Al-Fatiha to catch that Raka'ah. Okay? And that's something uh, uh, which is actually very popular in the Hanbali school. That you don't need to, as a follower, recite Surah Al-Fatiha uh, uh, as a follower anyway. Um, so... If a person intentionally, by joining the Salah late, doesn't recite the Fatiha, the prayer is going to be valid for him. Amma ala 
فإن الفاتحة هنا تسقط عنه بمقتضى الدليل والتعليل. However, Sheikh says something interesting. He goes, actually, the correct position is that the follower does have to recite Fatiha. Right? And that's true. There's no doubt about it. It is obligatory to recite Fatiha. However, Sheikh is saying, but in this situation, he doesn't recite Fatiha for the reasons of the situation. Now, there's a big difference. Now, we're coming to the same conclusion. Someone saying, you don't recite Fatiha. It's not obligatory. So therefore, you don't recite Fatiha. Their, their reasoning for that, which we covered like a couple of months back, is yani, because they don't think you need to. Whereas here, we're saying, no, you absolutely need to. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا صلاة إلا بفاتحة الكتاب. There's no prayer except without Fatiha. And, and so many hadith. You absolutely have to. But when you're in this unique situation here, where you're joining the Imam, then because of that, the Fatiha is basically excused. Conclusion is the same. Methodology very, very different. Methodology is very, very different. Okay? What is the dalil, by the way, that it's allowed to not have to recite Fatiha here? What the Prophet ﷺ basically narrated uh, 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 as collected by Imam al-Bukhari, the hadith of, uh, of, of Abu Bakr, not Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, that he came into the prayer, joined the Prophet ﷺ whilst he's in ruku' and he came in and joined him in ruku' and when the prayer ended, the Prophet ﷺ did not tell him to recite the Fatiha, to repeat the prayer and recite the Fatiha. This is a killer evidence. It's game over with this. Uh, uh, hadith, okay? Um, uh, and actually, I'll tell you something, by the way. In this hadith, this is a famous hadith, you know? Because what he did, I've covered this quite a few times in logical progression, but he came into the masjid, imagine, at the door. He sees the Imam in Ruku'ah, the Prophet ﷺ in Ruku'ah. He goes, Allahu Akbar, and he goes into Ruku'ah at the door. And he walks in Ruku' all the way to the lines. And he stands by himself in the last line because the line is full. Imagine there's four lines and they're all full. And he stands in the middle of the new one in Ruku'. He walked in Ruku'. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he finished the prayer, and you know that he, in the hadith, he knows that he can see things behind him. This is one of the mu'ajiz of Nabi ﷺ, right? So he goes up to Abu Bakr and he goes, don't do that again. Don't do that again. Now the scholars obviously differ over that. Don't do what again? Right? Don't do what again? Walk in the prayer or stand alone in a prayer line. And we spoke about that before and the debate goes on. But you know what he didn't say? Repeat the prayer again. You know what he didn't say? You didn't do Fatiha. The one thing the Prophet ﷺ knows is that he did not recite Fatiha. My guy went into Ruku' right at the door. There was no possibility to recite Fatiha. You get what I'm saying? Very interesting ta'lil, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, understanding of dalil. So from this hadith, we know that therefore it's completely correct and valid to offer a prayer without Fatiha. Also, this is something very interesting, Sheikh says. The other logical way of looking at this is that Fatiha is only obligatory when you are standing. Very interesting statement that. As if you're, if you are not standing, then it's not obligatory. This is a really useful statement. You are meant to be with this Imam standing. 
once the and you went to join the imam standing and once you missed out the opportunity to join the imam standing you missed out on the adhkar that are meant to be said when imam is standing and when you join an imam in ruku'ah, you join him in the adhkar of the ruku'ah. And so Fatiha is not required. Yes. Nowadays it's very common in masajids, people praying salah, sitting in chairs. So, the, so what I said is based upon normal health. Anybody who is in, you know, circuit, they don't have legs, they are paralyzed, they are ill. That's something that's excused. That's excused. All right. Um, and then I think... To be honest, yeah, that's very well said, Ruqayya. I think we're going to call it on one hour. Even though Shazad Salim is not here, doesn't deserve any kind of love or respect. Because, you know, and Mesa, I think, has bunked our lesson as well because she's busy. But it is what it is. I think that we're stopping there. Yeah, pass me a pen, uh, thingy, because I will then so start year 11. How about that? We'll start at 173, 172 uh, for that. This is the last lesson of the year because now it's Ramadan next week, inshallah, and we normally take off the kind of the the, the heavy kind of ibadah portion. So Ramadan, no lessons, and then Hajj comes straight after, and uh, summer holidays is an excuse that I throw in. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, obviously we have to kind of think of some kind of solution. But inshallah, we're going to restart probably September once the holidays are finished. Obviously, it's getting a bit longer. We have to kind of, kind of, kind of uh, find some kind of scenario. All right. Any questions on what we spoke today? Any uh, Q&A um, on the subject of congregation, catching, dropping, missing, leaving? You mentioned about you can drop the reading of the Sunnah prayer. Yes. Is that no, Fard prayer as well. Yeah. And the reason for that is because the reciting of, this, of the Surah is by consensus of the scholars from the Sunnah of the prayer. Is that no, no, oh, Fatiha is absolute rukan. Yeah, absolute rukan. But a surah, when we say a surah, you're right, so Fatiha surah. But what we mean is something surah after Fatiha. Yeah. What's, what's your opinion about uh, 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 Sheikh Ali Ali in Yes. And they also keep silent in the uh, what you call Maghrib in Isha in the third and the third and the fourth. Uh, you mean? Uh, meaning not reciting to the Fatiha. Right. And in the other ones, just not reciting. So, in other so, words, there are yeah. who just don't recite anything. Sure. 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 So, so I'll I'll say the irony is that that's exactly where we stopped. So because the next line is The humbly position is that there is no recitation required for the ma'mum, meaning the one who is following. And now he's going to go into all the details of what you're asking. So that's first lesson, year 11 in September. We'll see you there, inshallah. But in summary, in summary, um, there is a number of details here 
where generally you have the majority of scholars and then you have Abu Hanifa's opinion by himself. And in the Hanafi opinion, you've got two basic principles. The first principle is that to recite Surah Al-Fatiha is not something which is an absolute rukan of the prayer. It is an obligation, but not a rukan of the prayer. Meaning that the prayer is not fatally yani, flawed, uh, you know, it is not invalid. Uh, invalid. Yeah, it's, it's, it needs sajatahu, it's, it's wrong, it's haram if you did it intentionally, but it is not invalidated. And they have the evidences for that, that's fine. But what happens in jama'ah is that more hadith come into the game. So for example, the hadith that the qira'ah of the imam is the qira'ah for the ma'mum. Alright? And some scholars said that hadith is weak, but even if it's not weak and it's authentic, the Hanafis, for example, they said, yep, this means, but only when you can hear him reciting. And if you can't hear him reciting, you have to recite. Now, that's my position. My position is, and that's a position of even the majority now that adopt this position, which is that when the Imam is reciting, you can't recite anyway, because you can hear him. When the Imam is reciting and you can't hear him, you should recite. And that there should be nothing that should be left empty. The prayer cannot be, and it's a, I've said this many times before, it's one of the miracles of life. And I, I don't say this history, in fact. How the non-Arab members of this Ummah, especially the Hanafis, so that means the Asians, taqriban, for hundreds upon hundreds of years, have just been standing there in prayer, not saying a single thing. Imagine your prayer as you pray it right now, because I can't. I don't know how on earth I do that, right? Standing behind an Imam and just saying nothing. And that's what's been happening. For and they maintain their iman and focus and quality, or at least in their opinion, right? And it blows my mind. It blows my mind. Not just that, for me, the nonsensical idea that that's actually what is meant to be a prayer experience. I can't see, I can't relate to that. Yeah. So that's one of the issues, but really the great advantage of reciting, when the imam is reciting, yes. is that you don't have to Yes. is at least in the hope, one assumes that, that even by reciting, if you know some syllables, at least you can wonder about it, you can understand. I mean, that if that's not what the slide is for, what is it for then? What is it for exactly? Now, and that's why it's amazing because you know what? You, you, it, it, I, don't, I, don't mind, I don't mind the idea of people not doing it and they follow a legal opinion. Yeah. And because we have many people out there that do all kinds of bakwas yeah, and in the name of Islam. But these Hanafis are orthodox, are, are absolutely yeah, the ummah. And they've still kept their ummah, they've still kept their position, they've still kept the orthodox practice, they've maintained at the top level of the game, their scholars are at the top level of the game. You would expect that people are having this opinion, they would waste away. And yet they maintain their deen whilst not having recited anything in all of these prayers. It blows my mind. It's an achievement I will never ever be able to understand. It's from Allah, I don't know. It's, it's crazy, it's crazy. Um, come. If we join the, in which prayer, give me an example. Um, like for us, like if we join the second or third. If you join in the second or the third, so then you will continue from there as if that's your first unit. So you're now imagining whatever you've just joined, that this is your first unit. And then when you stand up, then you'll be finishing off your prayer. So they already give salam and then we get up. Correct. They give salam, we'll stand up and everything that we would have remaining in our prayer which is one unit or two units accordingly, then we make up, all right? Online, we've got um, 
Online we have, let's have a look. What about when you're praying and you realize the space comes free in a row in front? I notice people often move in front whilst in prayer. Is this permissible? No, it's actually sunnah. The Prophet said that the best gap that you can fill is the gap in the prayer. Sorry, the, the best step that you can take is the step that you take to fill a gap in the prayer line. So, and there is some kind of uh, adab for this. You're not meant to walk, yani, you know, three, four steps and things like that. One to two single steps in a slight direction, front, there, whatever. And not continuously. The problem is, is that you know how it is in the Haramain. You could do the whole prayer and just be walking all the way. If you, if you want to, there has to be a cutoff point. And I normally say two, two movements is, as a cutoff point. So a gap opens up in front of you, close. A gap opens up, that, and that's it. We can't be on here all day, just keep going. Yeah, You're the martyr for the cause, yeah, and no prayer, just walking along all the way. What if it's the last line, and there's a gap there, so there's nobody behind you fill the gap. So now then, the brother who... who no, but, the, but they have to use the aql, right? No, no, but I mean, You're going to go in, they should close the ranks. No, that's, that's the point I'm going to now. I, I had an issue in the local university. You see, the, 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 the school you raised this, because there was a debate about this, and, and I, 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 I got the impression that the imam himself was not fully convinced or had a full answer about it, because, because the, the, the brother left, there's a gap there. So the brother next to him did not move. Okay. Did not move. So then the whole of Khalasala completed as it is. Yeah. The gap. Yeah. Right? So they're connected. There's an 18 second delay here, by the way. Or quite a few seconds. Oh yeah, okay. Right, so uh, I, I know it paused. So just to uh, uh, bring it. So the, you heard about the question uh, uh, about the Imam said that if uh, the gap is there and you move forward to fill in that gap, the gap in the final line, there's nobody now to fill it. There's no third person about to come. And so everybody's gonna have to move across, cross, cross. And so leave the gap as opposed to making 10 people take one step. Now, I just want you to put a way to think about this. It's crazy though, isn't it? I mean, that's crazy. You can say all you want about the Jews, but these are all Palestinians, by the way. All Palestinians. Gassam, bro. Honestly, we are our own worst enemies, man. We can't control our own peoples, man. Forget about others. Gassam. Anyway, so, if you, uh, back to the point that we were saying about how is it that they pull off this crazy kind of focus whilst not reciting anything. How they pull it off is that they create a set of artificial conditions that aid the ability to focus. The number one artificial condition is lack of movement. Yeah. And that's why when you see a Hanafi pray versus anybody else from any other culture, one is like he's dead while standing and he's like that. And you will push him and he's like, like rock. And then the Arabi is like, yeah, 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 that, whatever, all over, where is that? <laughs> you know, it's like culture, isn't it? Like, you know, they're relaxed with the salon. Yeah. Culture plays a, a, a role. I honestly believe that. Now, it's true. it is true. It's, it's to a certain extent that even if somebody stands next to you and he's left a gap, yep. and you, you try and shift moving, you just move the yep. gap, you will not no, move. He won't move. He won't move. No, no. That's it. And, you, and, and, and if you've got that kind of, you know, mentality, siege mentality, I think you create a super focus. Psychologically, it follows the physical. I always said that the psychological inside always, the scholars used to say, actually, they used to say that if you want, 
Yeah, it's back. Yeah. So I was just saying about how the the, the when the when the rain comes down on the earth, it then suddenly because it's still, and so khushuk means to be very still. And if you want to know a person's khushuk, if their physical movements cannot be controlled, then that's indicating the stillness of the heart. So likewise, when a person is focused, it's also indicating a concentration level as well. So there is an argument. However, the argument is an akli one, not a dalil one. Because the dalil is there, so now the akli those not just those 20 people but then the 20 people in front or whoever's around that front dead you know what is actually more damaging their movement or all of us worried about that gap that's why we say the nas the definitive text takes precedence over the aql but allah knows best allah knows best um okay uh, uh let's have a look the women's one you should see the men's one it's like a maze right it's a proper maze you, it's just it's, it's crazy aqsa is unique in that sense right in that when you come to the front of the masjid you don't know which is an actual line and what's not where is the line got to what's not it's like aqsa is a collection of like six or seven half lines about eight three quarter lines and then two full proper lines and then you've got a few kind of jumble cells around here at the back. And then obviously outside the masjid, you've got people standing here and there. Yeah, yeah. No, no. This is why we keep saying in all of our programs, ignore people. Right? Just always ignore them. Especially when you come with a group that have got scholars and students of knowledge. You trust those people and never follow the other people. People should be following you. You guys have got guides and education. Don't follow the people. We are tempted to do that, to follow the masses populist kind of approach. But they are just literally just following culture and crazy ideas. We have to go to the very front, have to fill the gaps, have to complete the original lines and resist the temptation to, oh, I'm going to miss the prayer. Let me just jump in. No, no, no. Got to go uh, forward. Um, Usama asked a question. Any advice for people taking the exam for the first time? I want to say that people worry so much about the exam. Two things I'll say. Zafar does the most incredible set of revision notes. So good that people who join logical progression late, like for the first time, they read his revision notes for the 10 or 9 or 8 years in 2 hours and they've caught up with 8 years of content because they're revision summary tables. So number one, the notes are excellent. Number two, the exam is so easy, honestly. And uh, if it's not, so what? It's not exactly, you don't have to put your real name, you can put a fake name in. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only uh, thingy. Fika Jiva, she's saying Jazakallah khair for a dedicated decade of dedicated tarbiyah, keeping us connected in studying and taking our deen seriously. Here's to another 10. What Jiva knows, but I'll repeat, that this class is nothing without the students. It's easy for me to be teaching it. But then on the other side, there's got to be students that are there for 10 years that have been keeping in the game. You know what I'm saying? So Alhamdulillah, whole thing is blessed. Alhamdulillah. All right, I think we're going to call it because we've got people here completely sleeping. If Sulaim Hadiani stands up another one second, <laughs> She's going to completely collapse on everybody, all right? I don't know. Baji Aisha is like, I don't know, whatever. Chaudhary, Chaudhary, you know, you are, or whatever. I don't know, man. Here's all. I love the hat, but I'm just trying to work out whether this is the ruffle look is I'm about to fall asleep or what. 
Huh? And she's got the mojitos out, whatever, whatnot. Uh, should we make them jealous with the sweets and chocolates, Yanni? Live, live. At least, at least. Uh, I, I'm unfortunately, I'm unfortunate that we got Starburst. Oh, you know, you flipping didn't. We have the border sharing packs. We're not here. We're not here to make people jealous, but yalla. Scotland biscuits, bro. Come on, man. Scottish biscuits. Take it. Take the whole thing. You took the best one, by the way. But listen, bring this. They got to see this. Guys, people ask what we're going to buy in Aqsa. This is what you're going to buy in Aqsa. This. This is Asal Mal here. Right? This is obviously, you know what I mean? This is our standard stuff, mashallah. But this. The smell. It's a proper, you get high off the smell. You know that? It's like you can proper. I'm not even joking. I told you last time, I took 20 kilos at this bad boy's home. No, that's just not even a kilo. That's not even a kilo. Bro, legit, you have to buy this place out of sweets. So anyway, this is, this is the barakah of thingy. And it's so nice. Oh. Two months I haven't touched the sweet. Two months. I'm telling you. Suraya through? Suraya through? MashaAllah. Alright, let's get the rest of the team. Inshallah. Barakallahu feek. Jazakumullah khair, everybody. It's been a pleasure to have you with us from Al Quds Al Mubarak. Barakallahu feek. Jazakumullah khair. Thank you, everybody. I'll see you on Telegram very soon. Probably tomorrow. I'm a bit busy tonight. Subhanakallahu wa bihamdika. Shadu an la ilaha ilaha. Bastaghfirullahu wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Let's just give them a. This, should, this shows that people should hang around. Let me show you these Yanni thugs. Let me show you these thugs. Look, this is the problem. Thug right there. Yeah, that's the problem. This road, which basically is uh, on the outside, right? I'm sorry, by the way, for all the people who have left already, but you know, sometimes people hang on, they get a bonus. So this is the surrounding wall. Look how beautiful that is. The old city of Al Quds. Anyway, Zakmulakhan, guys. Assalamu alaikum. Let's leave you with a nice sight.